Hello, and welcome to the Two Men Drill on UCCS Radio. I am Nate Jones, and with me, as always, is my co-host with the most, Philip Oki-Thomas. How are you doing today, Philip? I'm doing pretty well. How's everybody else doing out there in the university, the UC, all around? They're probably doing great because they're listening to us now. (laughs) It's the two-minute drill time right now, and we're talking basketball, baby. All basketball, 247-365. And we got the honor of attending the Nuggets game on Sunday, so we're going to give you all of the interviews all that stuff, our analysis, what we saw. We'll even go in depth on our experience and how cool it was to be a part of that game day media. Uh, but first, we're going to do a little NBA news recap. You know, Philip and I were talking off the air, and we're just saying this is the best soap opera that's not on TV, and that's the NBA. There's a lot going on. Draymond Green and Kevin Durant aren't getting along, noticeably upset with each other on the court. Draymond Green taking over. What is your thought on this? We'll just talk about this situation first. Right. What does this mean for the Warriors that two of their biggest players aren't meshing or like have had the spat? Um, right now I don't feel like it's anything to like write home about too big. I feel like if it spills into other games where they literally just can't be on this court together, that's whenever it's going to be a big problem. Um. It's it's telling to what's going to happen whenever Boogie Cousins comes back because Boogie Cousins is a big personality, just meshing with these other personalities, and he's not a, a type of person that backs down from a fight. Yeah. So, I I just I just think the chemistry might be boiling a little bit, but we're gonna have to see how this spills over into other games. Yeah, and I believe both Thompson and Kevin Durant are up for contracts yep. after this season. So definitely that factors into it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you mentioned the Boogie Cousins thing. Ironically, apparently he was the peacemaker in this most recent spat. Like, <laughs> he he tried to do – he apparently he didn't do a good enough job. But, yeah. Um, I just think the fact that Draymond Green just ignored Kevin Durant like that. If anyone hasn't watched the play, I think a really good view of it is on Bill Simmons' Twitter account. We might retweet it in a bit. But he definitely – you know, they get the rebound. Kevin Durant was going to the rebound. Draymond, Draymond Green kind of stepped in front of him and then goes down the court and falls as the buzzer sounds. I, You know, I'm not a professional basketball player. I've never really played organized basketball since I was five. And I got yelled at because I scored for the wrong team because they were losing. So I'm not really one to talk about, like, strategy and how those teams work. But if I saw that, I would not be happy with Draymond Green. Not at all. And apparently that's the consensus in this locker room is none of them are happy with Draymond Green. They're like, ah, dude, this is your bad. Uh, they cost them the game. We're 12 games in the season. No one, no one's really counting these losses as a big ordeal. Right. But chemistry-wise, everyone's like the unbeatable Warriors. What I kind of saw coming is the only way they're beaten is they beat themselves. Right. I feel that's what most like reporters and most like people are saying is like they... They have to get in their own heads for them to be their own demise. And I feel that's what happened last night. And I've, I've, I'm not surprised if it happens again, you know, further down the line. Um, whenever it comes to, like, such big personalities on yeah. the court. And just, like, you know, you have four or five all-stars that all want the ball. I just don't know how that's going to work out at times. And especially whenever you have Draymond Green, Boogie Cousins, um, Kevin Durant, um, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson all on the court at the same time on crunch time in in a crunch time situation, and who's gonna shoot? Who's gonna throw up the shot? 
I don't I just I just don't see how you're going to really decide who's going to be that deciding factor of like you're going to get the shot this time you're going to get the shot this time you're going to get the shot this time. So these big personalities I feel like they're meant to clash. Yeah. No, it yeah, it is just going to go downhill from there unless somehow they solve it. And they can. Steve Kerr obviously has done a great job in handling a lot of this so far. Mm-hmm. This probably should have happened last year. Boogie Cousins is not playing this team. So this is the same team from last year, inside and out, except for JaVale McGee, pretty much. Yeah. So that's one thing you have to look at here. Like, Steve Kerr has already coached this team, managed this team. But inside sources say that this is the worst it's ever gotten. It's never, like, gotten to this level. They've never been this worried about how they're meshing. But it's fascinating because, yeah, like, the All-Star teams are not good teams. This is an All-Star team. Mm -hmm. And it'll be fascinating to see if they figure it out. But I don't want to say mid-season trade, but if nothing gets solved, a mid-season trade. Definitely. Draymond Green would go over Kevin Durant, in my opinion. Oh, 100%. He'd be the first to go. Um, it'd be no question that the Golden State would not give up Kevin Durant over um, Draymond Green. No matter how much loyalty you think the, the NBA teams have, which I, you know, if you know me, I, I say that NBA teams have 100% no loyalty at all to their no, players. No so, loyalty in their DNA. Yeah. So Kevin Durant is definitely going to stay on this team. It's just whether or not Draymond Green is going to be a part of this team come midseason. Yeah. And Draymond Green, probably top 50 players in the NBA. They'll get someone good for him if they want to. Definitely. So it's not it's not a worry of like, oh, this ruins the Warriors. Also, they're getting DeMarcus Cousins, one of the best defensive centers in the game. They really don't care, you know? Yeah. If you're looking at a GM standpoint, he looks at all his assets he has. He can do anything. Because mm-hmm. honestly, you put Iguodala in for Green... Definitely. You could even put Clay Thompson kind of like where Green is. He's a defensive two-way player. That's so great. Yeah. So we'll we'll see kind of how this all spills out, but it's not the beginning of the end. I kind of want to say that because it's fun to say. Yeah. But it's not, and they're going to keep winning games. Mm -hmm. They should have won that game. Kevin Durant gets that ball. I think he makes the shot. Definitely. Because you have to believe, in my opinion, he's the second best player in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Steph Curry's the third Probably with Clay Thompson around 10. So, you know, if you're, like, looking at this team, like, they have all these guys on their team. And, yeah, it's it's amazing to watch. Playoffs might be a horrific mess for them. But Maybe. We'll see when it comes <laughs> down to that if it really is a horrific mess. All right, so the next bit of NBA news. If you haven't heard, the process is probably over. And it's not in the way you think. Uh, the process is over because they actually have a solid team. Mm-hmm. No more processing. It's been processed. Jimmy Butler is now part of the Philadelphia 76ers. What do you think this does for the 76ers and their chances of winning the East? I think it upens it immensely, honestly, because you see the Celtics struggling right now. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it together with you know the trades that they might have coming down the pipeline. But the 76ers right now, I feel like, are looking solid. And Embiid's playing a phenomenal game. Um, and I think the 76ers won in this trade because, one, they still have Fultz. He can still develop. But at the same time, they have Jimmy Butler, who I consider a veteran player. Me and Nate kind of, like, clash whenever it comes <laughs> to 
you know, the goodness of this play of Jimmy uh, Butler. Yeah. But I think he's a solid player. I think he is a solid person for this Philly lineup. And it's it's going to be interesting to see the dynamic because, you know, I feel this is Ben Simmons' team. To me, it's Ben Simmons' team. Well, you know, yeah, it, I, I don't know why I keep bringing it on the show because <laughs> you're just wrong. <laughs> So if you guys would like to apply for the two-minute row co-host, perks include going to Nuggets games, email me at njones at uccs.edu. You can also text me at 123-456-7899. Anyways, uh, it's Embiid's team. No. Come on. No. Oh, Philip, you no, know. It's uh, Ben Simmons' team. Okay, he's the floor general. Okay, Joel Embiid, he's putting up solid numbers. So, so... For general, so you're saying because he's a point guard, it is his team. So that means the Lakers are Lonzo Ball's team. Is is that is? is I mean, that what if I'm we're talking right about now? who was there first, then oh, yes, my. yes, it's Lonzo Ball's team. You know, I, I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but you feel like you know someone, and then they reveal something about themselves that you're just like, wow, I don't know if I can continue to like talk to this person and. You know, be friends with them, and that—that's where I am right now because <laughs> the fact that he's willing to even address that maybe it's Lonzo Ball's team, ridiculous. It's Embiid's team. Embiid is the best player on the team. I think the best player. It's their team. So, arguably, Golden State Warriors. That's Kevin Durant's team, not Steph Curry's team, because I believe Kevin Durant is a better player than. Steph I think. Curry. I think CP3. I think it's CP3's team more than James Harden's oh, team. My. See, I, I don't know how you can say that because they, these are the biggest leaders on the team. I don't think Ben Simmons is a leader on that 76ers team. J.J. Redick is more of a leader than he is. I don't think so. I think he has way more of a presence in the locker room um, than J.J. Redick does. I, 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 I don't know where I've read it, but I don't feel like I feel like we're giving J.J. Redick a little bit too much credit here. Um, I personally, yes, you could even say, some people do say, like, oh, if you're the best player, it's your team. I feel that if you're the point guard, you're the floor general, it all goes through you. Yes, yes. It all goes through you, like, playmaking-wise. Yes. How they run plays, different it's things like that. It's your team, then. No. <laughs> yes, yes, yes uh. it is. If, if Rondo is starting for the Lakers, it's Rondo's team right then, to me. All right, we're going to put this on Twitter <laughs> at this break here. We're going to ask, is a point guard, is it their team? We'll find a good way to phrase it, but... I see. Ben Simmons can't even shoot. Like I, I don't want that guy leading my team. Yeah. Okay. I kind of agree with you. The Sixers get slightly better because they finally have a guard who can shoot, mm -hmm. and then they actually have a guard who's a leader other than JJ Redick. I don't believe Fultz is not. Fultz just looks like a five-year-old whenever I see photos of him. Yeah. But <laughs> and he just seems like he's just following whatever weird direction he's given. Like that's why he's gotten bad since college. Mm -hmm. Dude was unstoppable in college, and now all of a sudden he's not good at basketball. We'll talk about that in length <laughs> another show. But yeah, I they get better because they get a leader. You know, a dude who's willing to call out every single member of his team. But I think Embiid is that guy who brings you together. That's why I think he's the leader. I think he he loves every member of his team. He's never shown like any ill towards Fultz, no matter his struggles. Same with Ben Simmons when he struggled in the playoffs and stuff like that. But Embiid is carrying this team. He's at a 40-point game. He's at a 37-point game the other night. He's grabbing monster rebounds. The dude is an MVP candidate right now. And so if you're willing to say that Ben <laughs> Simmons is above Joel Embiid, 
I don't know. Yeah, that that makes no sense to me because I would never consider the Lakers Lonzo Ball's team because he's the point guard, or even Rondo's team because he's the point guard. I think there are point guards that's their team. Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers, that is his team. But I think there's more th- factors that go into it where it's like, I don't think position has anything to do with it. I, you could be on water I, duty and yeah. somehow it could be your team. <laughs> but I think that you need to be a leader, vocal inside the locker room and outside the locker room. And I think you also need to be a player of substantial skill, you know, putting up the stats, kind of backing all of your talk. Mm-hmm. I think LeBron James is definitely that. I think the Celtics, for the most part, that's Kyrie Irving. But I don't think it's Ben Simmons for that team. Because honestly, I don't see him being as vocal as Embiid is. Now, Embiid trolls more than anybody else, mm-hmm. but I feel like he's vocal in support of his team. And I bet he's just like that when they're in the huddle and in practice and stuff. I think Jimmy Butler just kind of compliments him as a leader. Right, right. I'll, I'll, I'll take it back then. I don't think it's Lonzo Ball's team or Rondo's team because it's LeBron's team. Let's not be, let's not be, let's let's All be right. clear about that. All but right. in other situations, I feel that if it's the point guard who's going to make all these plays for you, it is his team at times. Yeah, I, I, I think at times, yes, but I don't. I really do not feel comfortable because let, let's saying get Ben down Simmons to it. is the leader of the 76ers, yeah. you're uncomfortable saying that? I, I feel on. I, that's why I didn't even say it. That's why you had to finish <laughs> my sentence for me because it, it was really like the most uncomfortable I have ever felt talking about sports. And yeah, I, I don't think you can call it his team. And I, it's a lot of like the vocal leadership thing. If, it, if they're in the playoffs, down two. I would give Embiid the ball right away. I I would not let that game run through Ben Simmons' hands. I I would honestly. I feel like I maybe I just have more faith in like the smaller in the smaller players, probably like the point guard players, small forwards, even the forwards. Maybe I just have a little bit more faith in them, just because like I feel that this is the way the game is going. I feel like in a couple years we're going to see very few center centers like we do see in Embiid. Yeah, I. All right. Well, I'll I'll give you that. <laughs> Should we shake hands? <laughs> Might have to hug after this. Yeah. Movie. Um, mixed for good sports radio though, that's for sure. Yeah, I I kind of see your point that maybe I I really I'm starting to notice maybe my feelings about Ben Simmons are coming out of nowhere because maybe like I dislike him more than I was leading on. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's different, and I I think you can ask different NBA players. Like what they think. I think it, the NBA is also a little different. So if you're going college, and if even like high school, middle school, just normal basketball, point guard, it's always their team. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where that comes from. But I do think sometimes that's where it hurts teams. I think you look at OKC, Paul George should be the leader of that team. It should not be Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. I don't oh, know man. about that. We disagree on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this is this is great as usually we agree on most things but yeah so for the most part you say are you saying like almost 100 percent? if it's the point guard it's the point guards team yes yes i am all right 
So I don't even know kind of what led us down to this point. Oh, Jimmy Butler oh, is now yeah. on the 76ers. There we go. Um, yeah, I think it makes him better. I think Minnesota also wins. They kind of get this... <laughs> I don't think in necessarily skill set, but I think in this, like, thing that's haunting them. Mm-hmm. Like, they have this dude on this team who do not want to be on their team. Right. I think getting rid of that makes them better. Yeah, it, it definitely, like, brings relief to the locker room, and then it also brings depth to their team because they got, you know, two players for one player and yeah. everything. So, and... You know, it just spreads out the minutes that they can just have on the floor, even though, you know, Thibodeau is, like, known for, like, running his players into the ground. Like, you know, you stay on the court, like, no matter what at all times. So I feel like it does give them a lot more, like, minutes for – not a lot more minutes, but, like, gives them relief on minutes for their starters and everything and their, like, key players, like Towns and stuff. But uh, I guess I just don't have much faith in Dario Saric. Robert Covington, he's good. I think he's yep. a good. I think he's a solid player, a solid you know scorer as well. Yeah, I feel like I saw that in Philadelphia, especially during like the playoffs. But uh, I, I'm kind of lost on the Stario Saric, you know, trade. I, I just don't. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how both teams do. I mm-hmm. think the 76ers are for sure going to get better. Minnesota might take some time, and it might take Thibodeau to get fired for all this to happen. All right, last bit of news before we talk about the Nuggets. We're going to take a quick music break after this. Um, but the next bit of news is uh, Carmelo Anthony. People believe he's played his last game as a Houston Rocket. He did not travel to Denver tonight. And the team is quoting illness. And the general manager has been quoted as saying he loves Carmelo Anthony's role within the team. Same with Mike D'Antoni. But privately, sources are saying... That is not the case in that Monday uh, representatives for Carmelo Anthony met with other NBA teams to see where he could possibly land next. So he'd probably get waived and added to the veteran minimum. Did you see this coming 10 games into the season? No, I didn't, honestly. I I didn't see it coming just because I thought that it was such a good fit for Melo in the Rockets. Um, not defensively, but like, are the Rockets a defensive team? No, to me. But... Um, I didn't see it 10 games in. I saw it maybe like January. Yeah. January, February time. But, um, it's just difficult right now. Cause I don't know what team would want Mello. Like yeah. what team really needs Mello? Like, you know, I know you might maybe like the Washington wizards, hopefully, but <laughs> I don't. I just don't see a team actually going out there and being like, we want Carmelo Anthony and, you know, we'll give you solid players for him. I just don't see that. Yeah, it seems like they're going to waive him, so it wouldn't be a trade deal. Mm-hmm. So that would make a little more sense. Yeah. I, I could see a team like the Celtics. They're struggling. They're young. Maybe grab them. I This sounds a little weird, but bear with me for this. I think he could end up on the Nuggets again. I think, I don't know how well he left that organization, but I don't think anyone he really dealt with is at that organization anymore. I know he had problems with the head coach at the time. I forgot his name because he did come out with a book, the head coach, and he kind of slandered Mello in the book. I know, you know, the head coach is... George Carl? Yeah, it was George Carl. He came out with a book, kind of slandered Mello. Mello responded. I don't think it's any, I don't think he has any ill will towards the Nuggets organization, as a whole, yeah, 
maybe just like the head coach at that time, but he's not the head coach anymore. Yeah. But Melo to the Nuggets, I could, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be sad at that. I wouldn't no. be sad at that at all. One jersey sales through the roof. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And the other thing is, you have to look at Mike Malone, and this kind of opened my eyes a bit. Mike Malone is one of the reasons Isaiah Thomas signed with Denver because he was his coach in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. He really fell in love with him. He's a player's coach. Chris Paul, apparently he was an assistant when Chris Paul was in New Orleans. And they would text frequently. He's like a basketball head, just like Chris Paul. Stuff like that. He's well-liked. That's something I think Carmelo Anthony wants. Definitely. I don't. I didn't think the Mike D'Antoni thing would work because it didn't work in New York. So I was always kind of airy of that. But going to a player's coach, I think that makes sense to me. If he goes to the Lakers, I don't think that helps the Lakers at all. But... We'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out. But I think he can still be an effective player. He had a big 21-point game against Brooklyn that led them to a victory mm-hmm. the other night. So he still has talent. I think he really needs to find how he can best use his role to use his talent. Right. I think, I think it's just... I want to say that like Melo still has it. But it just it depends on what team he goes to, and at the same time he needs to put he needs to get the chip off his shoulder and just come off the bench. Yeah, it. I'm mean, you're not a starter anymore. I'm sorry. It's in a, like maybe further down the line you might become a starter, but like put just, him on the Hawks. He'll start there. Yeah, but, yeah, he can start <laughs> there. But like even if he if he came to the Nuggets, don't I wouldn't start him oh, for the Nuggets no. at all. Not at all. No. And he would come off the bench. Like, imagine that bench led by Isaiah Thomas with Carmelo Anthony. That's one of your best benches. And the Nuggets already have one of the best benches in the league. Right. So I think that could be effective. I think he really needs to be careful about the decision. But I hope the Nuggets are talking to his representatives because I think that could be a really interesting move and fun for the fans. And mm-hmm. I'd love to – we would get a chance to see him. So um, that would be pretty cool. He's not going nowhere new, near New York as long as... Do you know who the owner of the Knicks is? Uh, um, I know he's extremely disliked. He, he, he has, he's in like a band, I know. Yeah. Um, he's in like a Genesis cover band or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I, I, I'm totally blanking on his name now, but right. he, I know he's not well-liked as, a, as an owner. I feel that I've read in the past that he just doesn't care for basketball that much yeah and apparently he is selling them uh in the near future uh james dolan Uh, dolan yes yes james dolan yeah very rich dude he owns a lot of sporting goods Mm -hmm. companies and he also owns the madison square garden company so um yeah extremely disliked that's why he's not going back as long as he owns the team he's Mm -hmm. not going back there but yeah, we'll, we'll guys keep you updated if anything happens. I'm surprised nothing's happened yet. They haven't waved him or anything yet. Right. Maybe it is an illness. Maybe Woj is wrong this time. Maybe the Woj bomb didn't go off correctly. <laughs> I highly doubt it because the dude is psychic sometimes. Yeah. But we'll kind of see. All right, we're going to take a music break. That was a lot longer of a first uh, break than we expected. But we're going to take a quick music break. Then we have a uh, post game from Coach Malone, also known as Post Malone. And a whole bunch more from the Nuggets game coming at you in a couple minutes. Uh, and Philip, who doesn't know a lot about basketball apparently, yeah. is also here with me. You know, it's disappointing, but he's still here. Try to kick him out. 
apparently stronger than me. Yeah. I, I, I didn't see that coming either, but I, most of you probably didn't see it coming either. Um, I but, live in the studio. I live in the studio, okay? You know, sleeping bags everywhere. Yeah. It smells like BO. It's, it's not a good sight. Never come in the studio. <laughs> All joking aside, uh, so far in the poll, Philip is leading uh, three, two to one. Uh, if you want to join in and say no, uh, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at the Two Minute Trail, and you'll see it's I think our first tweet there. Go ahead and follow, it. and if you can't find it, go to at UCS Online Radio, and it's the first quoted tweet from UCCS Radio as well. Uh, but we're done with that. We're done with talking about how right I am, and we're going to talk about our great experience that we had. We got to go to a Nuggets game. We're part of the media. And yeah, so let's just go step by step. So, Philip, you picked me up in your car. Yeah, we I picked Nate up at the in front of the UC. Um, it was a snowy day here in Colorado. Um, it had been pouring down like all day. It was a winter stuff. wonderland. Winter wonderland, but the street, but the roads are all pretty relatively all right. And there was some points like you know, in Monument up in the you know Castle Rock where it was yeah. a little slick, but getting up there was pretty pretty nice. Yeah. And uh, once we were actually able to get to the Pepsi Center, we went uh, straight to the Pepsi Center when we got to Denver. Um, it was a great experience. You know, we actually had like our names on the list to like park in the media, like a lot and everything. So we felt super official there. Yeah, that was really cool. And then we uh, followed other media members <laughs> yeah. to where we were supposed to go. And they, they told us where to go in the email, but we really had not been past the yeah. front gates at Pepsi Center. Like I... The only time, a little anecdotal story here. Uh, one time we were staying in Denver for about a week during summer, and my dad and I we were about our hotels across the street, and we'd ride our bikes. And every day we would ride it by the Pepsi Center. Mm. Well, one day, Chris the Birdman Anderson happened to be walking outside the Pepsi Center, and I rode my bike by him, and I almost crashed because I was too busy turning my head looking at him. And then, as I was doing that, I finally get back. Ty Lawson gets out of his car. And walks into the Pepsi Center. So that was like one of the coolest sporting <laughs> things. I, I think I was in eighth or ninth grade. Yeah. It was the coolest thing ever. And Chris the Birdman Anderson gave me a head nod when he Dang. noticed me staring. So <laughs> I always forget about the story, but it's one of the coolest things. Anyways, that's the only time I had been back where we were mm-hmm. was that moment. Um, and so we get in there and then we were just, you could tell we had never been there before. We were just really nervous. Yeah. Two young dudes. Like we were like do we do this? Do yeah. The security guy was like, yeah, do that. Everybody was like, all the media was like basically super, not super dressed up, but like way more dressed up than we were in blazers and stuff like that. Me and Nate had a moment where Thon Maker looked at us and I, <laughs> I literally almost exploded. Like I, I like, I didn't want to fan out so much. And like Thon Maker isn't like that much <laughs> of like a big player. Like he's a human in, in, Toothpick. Yeah, in NBA like terms, in like he's not that much of like a you know huge star, but still just be able to have that guy look you look at you, you just like wow, like yeah. that guy is one skinny as ever. as as ever honestly, and then just like super tall as well. So I was I was just taken back by that. Yeah, it was that was incredible, and it was just like. It was so surreal, and I had been, I had an internship with KKTV Sports this summer, and so I had been, like, in this, but I was telling my mom afterwards, I was like, being in college and then high school before that, you always feel like you have to be supervised doing stuff, mm-hmm. 
we weren't supervised and that was like the weirdest thing yeah was, like no one was looking over our shoulder making sure we were legit media people <laughs> and that was the weirdest thing to me it was like they're not just two fans that's got tickets yeah. and that's that was like our biggest goal it's like Make sure people knew we were media professionals, uh-huh. not necessarily just fans trying to get free tickets. Yeah, because like we were walking around and like at any time I would just felt like the security was going to be like, what are you doing here? Get out of here. Go back to where you're supposed to be and everything like that. And I was just like, you know, the media, the, those media passes really saved us. But there's definitely times where we were just walking around, you know, just being those two young guys and just like with a whole bunch of other like, you know, more established older people. Yeah. That you're just, you felt kind of out of place. Yeah, no, definitely. And it did feel like they were looking at our badges a little closer than everyone else's, (laughs) which I don't blame them. (laughs) Uh, So we got to go to the pregame conference uh, with Coach Malone. That was great. It was just cool being a part of it. Um, Maybe if we have time, we'll play some of that, but we're mostly going to play his postgame stuff. And then we got to get the free food for the media lounge, which was super cool. And then we were up in the press box for the rest of the time, which mm-hmm. was just super cool experience. We'll probably bring our laptop or something like that next time mm-hmm. so we can take better notes and maybe do some cool things up there as well. But if you missed it, if you don't follow UCCS Radio on Instagram, we went live up there. Yep. And that was a pretty cool thing. We were by ourselves in the press box at that moment. <laughs> um, and so we were able just to talk about what we thought before the game. Can you talk about like your reaction to like watching the game like that? Um it made me, I know whenever we, before we went, we were like kind of told about the press box rules and stuff about like standing up and clapping and like kind of cheering on and stuff. I felt it was so hard at times to not cheer and not, you know, stand up, especially towards the end because it came, you know, towards the end, it was a pretty, you know, close game. And uh, you know, I had trouble at times holding in my emotions because I'm I'm the type of basketball watcher where like every good shot I stand up and I I do a little woo and I like pump my fist <laughs> and stuff and I like walk around the room and I just like yeah 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 and stuff. <laughs> so it was hard not to be so like verbal. But yeah. watching the game from up there, it made me realize how many how much like statistics go into like you know stat boosting and then like you know reporters whenever they're actually like writing down like these stats and stuff how much they can take from like up there because like you know you can really count the amount of shots from up there and then at the same time like uh honestly i felt like the press area they have like in they're pretty high up but they have the best seat high up yeah I agree with that as well. And also, you know, you get, like, printouts of stats mm-hmm. during the game, stuff like that. Uh, you get your own separate Wi-Fi from the rest of the yeah. Pepsi Center. <laughs> There's, like, some cool perks with that as well. And you're right, Philip. I think we do, like, just the angle they have it at mm-hmm. is one of the best views up there. Uh, and being able to watch everything because it's, it's both of, like, you can watch the actual floor and then this, they have huge screens, probably, like, 500-foot yeah. screens. I don't know how big they really are, mm-hmm. but very big screens. And you can see those very clearly from where you are right. and all the different stats and all that. So then after the game, we enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, we actually had some friends that sat right below us. It was the funniest thing. <laughs> Just that irony of that is awesome. And then we went down the elevator. We always got stared at when we were in elevators. Yeah. <laughs> and we were just kind of awkward around the elevators too. But we get back down. We wait for Coach Malone. 
He was not happy after the game. It wasn't the result he wanted. Uh, We're going to play that press conference for you right after we finish talking about it. Mm. And then we went to the locker room. And I I don't know. For me, the coolest thing for me was seeing all the shoes. Yeah. All the different shoes. Because each dude had like 15 pairs of shoes in Mm. his locker. What was the coolest part about for you being in the locker room? Um, I think it was just like being able to like how they have like all like the names and like their like faces above their like locker and stuff like that. Yeah. And then at the same time, um, just looking at all the stuff that they had in their locker and like in their area and stuff. And it just like amazed me. I was just like, wow, like look at all those shoes that I'll never be able to buy. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> just cause like they're 300, $400. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just being in that environment where, like, you know, most people who go to the, you know, go to the Pepsi Center, go to the Nuggets game, are never going to be in there. Yeah. Never going to be able to go in there. So just being in that territory and just, like, this is where not many people are ever able to go yeah. was just so special to me. Yeah. No, it was it was very cool. And we hung around for a while. We probably missed one or two interviews because eventually, like, no one was coming. And yeah. We weren't sure. And the TV guys started to wrap up. So not 100% sure what was going on there. But uh, so we're going to play you some audio from Coach Malone. This is post-game press conference. Uh, hope you guys enjoy. And we'll talk. We'll give our analysis of the game after that. We have a big game tonight, so we'll give a little bit of a preview of that as well. So here you guys go. How much of that was just due to what Milwaukee was running versus maybe what you guys weren't doing defensively? No, it was uh, give them credit. You know, they made the shots, but uh, we had uh, breakdown after breakdown after breakdown. Uh, you know, when a guy is at seven threes in a game and we're still closing out to him short and acting surprised when he makes a three, uh, I'm not really understanding that. So a lot of personnel uh, and game plan breakdowns, lack of discipline tonight. So um, something we have to clean up and get ready for Houston. When you get in the fourth quarter, you had a unit out there, it was four reserves, and Jamal Murray, that seemed to get some traction defensively. But when you were making that run, what were you seeing out there? Uh, just guys flying around, uh, giving great effort. You know, Monte, uh, Mason was terrific. Uh, Trey Lyles, Malik, we made shots, we got stops. And uh, that was one of the few times we were able to probably string together uh, stops consistently. And uh, obviously then we went back to our starting group and uh, turnovers down the stretch, lack of execution, um, just uh, a comedy of errors down the stretch. Yeah, you know, you talked about closing out games, I think, prior to the game. Uh, what kind of has to change now in that area to get back on track? Uh, you have to be able to execute. Uh, you have to be able to take care of the basketball, not throw the ball to the other team and fuel their break for seven points in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then offensively, uh, aside from the turnovers, somebody's got to step up and make a big shot. Uh, defensively, Walking in, being disciplined, uh, not letting people beat you. Malcolm Brogdon scored on us going left every time tonight. And we had a hard time understanding that. Um, so that's three losses in a row. And um, the thing I'm probably most disappointed with with the three losses, uh, just a lack of poise, lack of execution, uh, lack of discipline down the stretch in all three games. At Memphis, home against Brooklyn, and home tonight against these guys. You guys shot the ball better. It seemed like you had the offense had more energy, but then in those turnovers that you talked about, is there some sort of relationship, do you feel like, between the offense having more energy and you guys having more firepower, but the turnovers being 
too much of a cost for that? Um, no, I don't understand the question. I'm sorry. Sorry. It's, Can you just we shot it well and we turned the ball over in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, we've struggled to make shots this year. Going into tonight's game, we're 29th in three-point percentage. Uh, so it's great to see some guys see the ball go in and feel good about that. But uh, we can't allow the comfort of making shots to take away from our defensive intensity. Uh, and, and tonight, obviously, from quarters one through four, uh, just breakdown after breakdown after breakdown. I think they probably had at least 20 points off of a lack of discipline, whether it be personnel or game plan tonight. What uh, went into the decision to, to foul when you guys were down three, 30 seconds left? Yeah, well, we weren't supposed to foul in that, in that situation. I'm not sure why Gary did. It's a one-possession game, 30 seconds on the clock. Uh, and again, that's just one of those areas where um, just not being disciplined and not understanding the time and the score in the situation. Yeah, are you surprised with some of that? You guys are one of the younger teams in the league, but have been now in a lot of these kind of situations that the poise hasn't, hasn't been there the last three games? Um, you know, Monte hasn't been in those situations much. Wancho, Malik. Some of those guys haven't. Obviously, uh, when it involves guys that played down the stretch last year, uh, it is surprising. But, you know, second youngest team in the NBA is an excuse, but it's also a reality. And uh, I just hate the fact that the way we've closed the games, forget the win and loss, but uh, if somebody's going to beat you, make them beat you. And I feel like we're really contributing to our own demise right now. Uh, and we have to find a way to be a lot more mentally tough and poised down the stretch. And I keep on using the word discipline. There was a real lack of discipline out there tonight. When the bench group plays like it did in the fourth and, and ha makes that comeback, is it tough to pull them out of the game and, and go back to the starters when, when they were playing so well together? Uh, yes, it definitely is. You know, that group was playing well, you know, but then all of a sudden, you know, I, how long am I going to sit Nicole? You know, and the longer I sit him, um, that it's that much harder for him to get back into the rhythm of the game. Um, so Mason was playing great, that group was playing great, and I take him out to put Nicole in. Nicole is our best player. Uh, you know, Monte Morris, the same thing. Monte is playing very well. Take him out, put Jamal back in. Uh, so yes, look, those definitely are tough decisions, Harrison. And you know, most nights you're probably going to go back to your starting group to try to close the game. But you know, there will be nights where you know uh, I just really have to finish the game with our best players on that night. And if it's a starter, great. If it's not, so be it. You know, that's that's a luxury of having a deep team like we have. One more with, with their three-pointers, did you feel like you just sort of fell into the rhythm of how they wanted to play? Um, I mean, they're, they're a, obviously a high-scoring machine. Uh, they take 43s a game, so they, they do that every night. Obviously, uh, the disappointing thing about it was um, just the lack of discipline in terms of, I mean, we let Brooke Lopez go 8 of 13. I mean, uh, going into the game, and you know what's funny? They played yesterday afternoon, and I have no idea how many of our guys watched the game. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's only a handful that watched it. And if they would have watched that game, they would have seen Brook Lopez go 6 of 12 yesterday. And he's having a great season for them, shooting the ball. And some of our guys are probably surprised he had eight threes tonight. And um, I don't get that. This is your job. This is your livelihood. This is your profession. Study your opponent. Know who you're playing. We go over personnel. We talk about it. We give guys who the runoffs are, who are the guys that we're going to close out hot to. And he still got eight threes. And we continue to close short. And we continue to help off him too much. And he made us pay for it. So you tip your hat. They came in here and beat our ass tonight. And uh, hopefully we can learn from the three losses and uh, keep on moving in the right direction. Thank Thanks, you, Thanks, everyone. All right, so you just heard from Coach Malone. Uh, that was his post Malone. And I'm going to keep trying to make that joke. Um, don't know if it's landing at all. But 
Yeah, so what I heard from that press conference, I don't know if you heard the same thing, but he was upset. He didn't like how his team played. Third straight loss. The Nuggets are not a bad team, and the Bucks are a really good team. The Nuggets should not have lost that game, in my opinion. Not at all. You could tell before, as he was even walking up, you could tell he was visibly mad. Yeah. Um, we have other uh, audio from Joe Kick, but we're not going to play that, where he, we, was, he was visibly mad as well, upset you know, with himself, and I could see the whole team yeah. as well. But, yeah, the, the Bucks last uh, Sunday, I just I saw the what Giannis can actually do. I feel like he was going in and just doing whatever he wanted, especially on the inside. I he dunked on at least four or five players on the Nuggets, um, including you know Lyles and Plumlee. So, um, it, it I feel like it co- it comes back to what actually uh, Coach Malone said at the pregame interview, mm-hmm. where if Giannis if he develops a mid range jump shot, the guy's unbeatable. And I, I feel like tonight or that night, we definitely saw that where he, you know, he didn't really do, you know, have like a, you know, a mid-range jump shot. But like if he was to ever develop one, a consistent one that actually goes down relatively, you know, more often than not, the dude is unguardable, just like how Kevin Durant is kind of unguardable once he gets on the inside and just and, and goes up. Yeah, no, I agree with that as well. And back to Joker press conference as well he put a lot of this loss on himself right and i don't know if that's 100 percent correct he did make some big not mistakes but he missed a shot that should have gone in but if we're going to blame anyone it's gary harris he shouldn't have fouled when he did yeah that definitely hurt them uh coach Mullen's right 30 seconds one possession game why would you foul like that so it is a lack of discipline and just you know not thinking ahead of Thinking ahead in the game, you know. Yeah, I feel like that was on it. Not it wasn't like a J.R. Smith moment. Yeah, for Gary Harris, but it, it's as close as you can actually get, honestly, without it being a definite moment like that. Yeah, and I don't think he like he forgot the score, but maybe he kind of forgot how you know. Yeah, because they say they stopped them in those twenty four seconds. You know, obviously mm-hmm. the Bucks are going to try to hold the ball twenty four seconds. They have six seconds to tie the game. Right. So. And I, I think Coach Malone likes his chances with his team. Mm-hmm. Especially they were shooting the three ball pretty well. Uh, another thing to bring up is we're going to play a clip from Monte Morris in a second here. Uh, but Brooke Lopez was the big hot topic of the night. Eight three-pointers, 28 points, eight from 13 from the field. The dude was lights out. Definitely. That shot was so smooth. Uh, he drained one from, oh, yeah. from basically on the other side of the ocean, honestly. Yeah. Well, you bring up Ocean. He yeah. now has a new nickname that people are bringing up. I, have you heard this one yet? No, I haven't. Uh, they're calling him Splash Mountain. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, and he said he loves it because he's a huge Disney fan, and it reminds him of it and it's the ride at Disneyland and Disney World. So <laughs> Splash Mountain, uh, I think that kind of describes the night he had. The dude's a monster. He walked by us as well. Yeah. And he's just making it rain, uh, splashing down on those nuggets. So... <laughs> I love the nickname, but yeah. <laughs> he definitely was a powerhouse for them. And the deciding factor, you know, he doesn't make a couple of those threes. They, the Nuggets obviously win the game. That's how yeah. basketball works. But I, I think he was the biggest factor for them. And we'll hear from Monte Morris. But a lot of the players, like, from what we heard, were kind of surprised. And you heard Coach Malone also mention that, 
you know, he doesn't think a lot of his players watch the game. They're going to be surprised, even though he went 6-for-12 mm-hmm. the night before. Well, Monte Morris seems like, yes, we saw it on film. Yes, there might have been something we could have done. Mm-hmm. So we'll play you guys that in a second. Anything else you noticed from the game, Philip? Um, I just noticed how much of a factor Paul Millsap is on the lineup of the Nuggets. Um very I even him, he was knocking down he went five of eight yeah. during the game. So from three point from the three point line. So oh, yeah. you know, I feel like they are developing just like more of their big players to take those three ball shots. Yeah. But um yeah, it just surprised me. Brooke Lopez surprised me that night. Like yeah. with his threes. I knew he could shoot a little bit. I didn't know he was shooting like that this season. Yeah. And it 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 speaks to why the Bucks are number two. Yeah. And credit to Coach Malone. He also mentioned that in his pregame conference as well. He said they have centers who can shoot the ball really well. Mm-hmm. And they need to pay attention to that. They didn't. And it's maybe some of the youngness. Like, you don't think a guy's going to become Splash Mountain in one night. Yeah. But he did. Here's Monte Morris on the game and the disappointing result. Okay, um, let's just talk about the result of the game and, and what was the difference in your eyes? Um, defending, defending again, um, the three-point line. Uh, a lot of the guys got it going, not just Lopez, and it backfired. And then late, we had some crucial turnovers that uh, bit us, and they scored on the other end. Yeah. You know, uh, Coach Malone was talking about there are a lot of young people out here who haven't been in some late just crunch time situations. As you're working through some of these, what, what's how do you kind of get yourself up to speed? Some of the younger, Malik Beasley as well, up to speed and executing down the stretch. Um, I mean, sometimes you just got to go out there and play and uh, just fill it out, take chances, and learn from it. I mean, we got a very young team. Um, we all just got to gain experience by games and situations like this. Um, me not being out there, I learned from tonight too. So just not being on the floor, or, or if you want the floor, you just got to learn. So I learned tonight, uh, looking too, and uh, going forward, I know what I can do, and I know what my team is, know we got to do. You had 10 assists and zero turnovers. <laughs> Let's uh, talk about your night tonight, what you were able to do. Um, I was just, I mean, guys made shots. You know, I got to get them credit. Um, but I just tried to keep uh, applying pressure, and uh, they real tall, so I really couldn't finish at the rim, you know, like I sometimes do. So I knew once I got in there, I can kick out and fire shooters. So um, once I play with pace and um, find guys, and they made shots, and they look good. How are you guys able to improve your poise down the stretch? It seems like a difficult thing to assess and fix. I mean, I, I'm not sure. Um, we run in, we run in our stuff that we run like first and second quarter, third quarter, just fourth quarter. Um, you know, they, the other team picked up their, their intensity. Um, the games we lost, they did, and we just got to meet them halfway and, uh, and find a way to win. Any idea why you guys haven't matched that intensity? Or? No, I do. I just know, I just know we, we real, real talented, and um, we'll figure it out. We got to because Tuesday going to be a dog fight, too. And how aware were you that Brooke Lopez could uh, shoot like that? Um, on film, he was a runoff guy. Uh, we knew he could shoot it and get it going. Um, he got it going tonight. 
and you know it hurt us. Monte, this isn't the first time the bench has let it come back like that in the second half. What's been the key, just because it seems like that group has so much chemistry together in the second half? Um, just we we know each other game a lot. Um, we trust each other, and we just try to. Uh, put all our chips in on defense because we know we all can score, but the way we're going to stay out there is defense, and that's how we spark runs and uh, make comebacks. I mean, is it frustrating when you beat that comeback, you're playing well, and then you've got to watch the end of the game for the match? I mean, it's a long season. Um, I try not to get too high or too low on myself. I can't speak for other guys, but myself personally, I just know um, my number going to get called eventually um, with this long season, so I can't dwell just on one game. Um, sitting out. Um, I know uh, when Malone needs me, I just got to come through. How is your comfort level coming on Malone with all this playing tough that you've been getting? Um, it's cool. Um, some nights, you know, like Brooklyn, I made shots. Tonight, I mean, I took six shots, but the shots that I did miss um, was the shots I normally make. So I just got to stay even killed. Um, and like I said, not get too high or too low. But my comfort level is pretty, it's pretty good. Um, I'm learning offense more and uh, defensively. I'm learning guys and trying to be able to slow guys down at the goal. Thank you. All right, that was Monte Morris of the Denver Nuggets, number 10, I believe. Uh, yeah, like uh, Chris Dempsey said, he, he played well, 10 assists in that game. Uh, he seemed like the only player we really talked to that was kind of positive and then also critical of the team as well, do you think the youngness of the team will eventually be the demise of this team? Or do you think this is a team that will mature as they go along? I don't think so. I think um, the youngness is definitely a factor right now, but you have to take into account that, one, they do have Isaiah Thomas on this team, and I feel like once he's actually on the court, it's going to be just a little bit more of a poised team in whenever it comes to, like, you know, taking away from that youngness and that, you know, kind of newbie factor in, in the league. Uh, and especially whenever it comes, because they're getting even younger with yeah. Michael Porter. Yeah. So once he comes back, that's a fresh rookie right there. Yep. And so I feel like there's going to be mistakes then. They're just going to have to be able to play smarter basketball. Uh, you know, like they said, um, fouling for 30 seconds left and you have, it's a one possession game. Just should not happen. Um, I don't feel like it's going to happen very much. I feel like Gary Harris is definitely, I feel like he's heard enough about this already that, you know, he's probably not even going to foul tonight, you know, yeah. like, even with, you know, 10 minutes left. So <laughs> Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I think the Nuggets kind of, hopefully they brush it off. Hopefully yeah. they're ready to go tonight. Because mm -hmm. if they're not, they're going to get hurt. Definitely. The Rockets are struggling to 5-7 and seven right now. But they have a high-tiered offense and... Mm -hmm. James Harden go for 60 on them. Uh, last year, we actually attended the Rockets-Nuggets game in Denver, uh, and we saw that James Harden has 17 points in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. The dude goes at defenses. Yeah. Um, it won't be different. He also flops around defenses, too, but <laughs> he definitely tries to go at them. So we'll see what happens in this game. Do you think this is a game they now mark on their calendar later in the season when they go to Milwaukee? I think so. I think they're definitely going to keep Brooke Lopez in mind and like, you know, what happened tonight with allowing him to go so much from the three-point line 
in shots that just looked like they just were like were either just like I'm not just gonna I'm either just not gonna contest this dude yeah. or I'm just thinking this guy can't shoot and he's you know he's not going to make it yep. and he, he eventually just catches on fire and just yeah. is dropping them. But, Splash Mountain, baby. Yeah, Splash Mountain. But then Rockets. I mean the Nuggets need to pull out this game tonight against the Rockets. They're on a three game losing streak and you know the West. I feel like it's picking up a little bit. So, yeah. you know, these losses right now really determine your place later on in the season. Um, it, it could be if they win these games, especially in the beginning, like they have been, it gives them a better cushion for later in the season. Yeah. But um, right now, the Nuggets need to focus because they're on a three game losing streak. I don't, and I, I'm sure they don't want to make it four. Yeah, no, 100 percent agree with all of that. And they kind of need to turn around because with the young team, wins are important, but losses hurt a little more, especially with the confidence level of a young team like mm-hmm. this. And they might think, oh, maybe we do need Isaiah. Maybe we do need Michael Porter Jr. Both are coming back. Both look really good in practice. Yeah. Um, Michael Porter Jr. hit seven threes in the practice the other day. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas apparently looks pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a funny anecdotal story from this as well. Isaiah Thomas tweeted that his sons were crushed by the loss. On Sunday night, uh, and he said, "It's another one. We'll get better." And they, they were crushed by it. And he said they could not get over it. They were thinking about it the whole next day too. So um, it's great that he's raising great basketball fans. Oh and, yeah, um, they are definitely worried about the future of this team. But mm-hmm. I don't think there's much to worry about. I don't think so either. I think you know, you you got to look at what they've already done this season. I feel like they've done great things, and. This was just right now where they are. I feel like they're just going to rut. I feel like they can pull it out tonight against the Rockets that haven't been playing the best. Um, but it's just if they're going to be, able, they're going to have to lock down Harden tonight. They're going to have to lock down CP3. And then they're going to have to make those shots and then at the same time play smart basketball. Yeah. No, I agree 100% with that. So anything else to add about this game? Um, No, not really. No, the. I appreciate being able to go to the uh, the Nuggets game, being able to get the access that we did. Yeah, um, shout out to Cody Wise. Yes, Cody Wise. Thank you so much for allowing us to, um, you know, go to the Pepsi Center and go where most people never actually see. So yeah, and we hope our next one is December sixteenth against Toronto Raptors. Yes. Uh, that might be a little bit of a far fetched one, but <laughs> we're hoping for it. Um, hopefully, the weather is a little better for us to get down there. The ride down was a little worse than the ride there. But yeah. We are in one piece, not together, but like we're separate pieces. So <laughs> it didn't like merge us or anything. It wasn't that bad. Um, but yeah, so I think that about wraps it up for yep. today's two minute drill. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. And sorry, Monday, the school closed down for a delay. And so we cannot come in and do our show, but we're happy that we were able to do it a day later. Before oh, yeah. I didn't want to do it like after the Rockets game because uh-huh. I was like, it's already, you know, yesterday's news. So right. glad we could still talk about it when it's still relevant. But yeah, thank you guys for listening once again. If you want to follow us on Twitter at the two minute row, DA, the number two minute row, we have a very important poll that is tied <laughs> at the moment. Let me look at the newest data here real quick. Um, and the question, I'll read it out to you guys in a quick second. If you guys haven't heard it yet, if you're just tuning in right now, this question almost broke our friendship, honestly. Yeah, no, it almost. <laughs> You know, I did ask for applications, and I got five emails, so I'll have to go through those, read those resumes. Um, In the NBA, is the point guard the bona fide leader of the team, 
even if they aren't the best player on that team, skill-wise or stat-wise. Uh, yes or no. And then I also put another tweet us if you want to <laughs> argue with us. We love that. We'll talk about this next week. I think we'll have a show yeah, next week. Definitely. Um, but four votes right now. Uh, two for yes and two for no. And disclaimer, the two no's are me using different accounts. <laughs> um, but it's not my burner, the three-minute drill. I only use that to post conspiracy theories. <laughs> um, so we'll see you guys next week. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, also, I, I keep ending the show, but not ending the show. Friday, November 16th, room 116, 5 to 7 p.m., we're going to have cookies. We're going to have assorted dessert bars. We're going to have hot chocolate. We're going to have a pop-up basketball game. We're going to have karaoke. We're going to have board games. We're going to have coolest DJs in the world. And we're going to have a chance for you to give back to your community by bringing non-perishable foods for Clyde's Cupboard. Room 116 in the University Center. We hope to see you there. I'll oh, yeah. be there. Philip will be there. I'll be there. We'll be, I'll be beating him at the <laughs> pop-up basketball shot thing because, you know, I just, you know, I should be a cafeteria worker because I keep dropping trays. Um, all that and more this Friday. Thank you guys for listening. See you guys next week. <laughs>